Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Reverend Dr. David Bruner. today, um, and it's one of my very favorite passages of the Bible, so I'm especially excited about preaching on this passage. If you don't know me, my name is David Bruner. I have the privilege of being married to Becca Bruner, and I'm also the director of uh, Adult Discipleship and Intergenerational Mission here at Hale. Our scripture from this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. Ezekiel says this. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattle, and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house. Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring 
bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. I love that passage. As I said, our scripture for today comes to us from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. It is by far the most famous passage from that book. I'm guessing that many of you have heard, or at least acquainted with, the wonderful African-American spiritual about the dry bones. If you've heard that song, you already know a little bit about this passage and what it has to say. What fewer people know, um, and what's important to remember, is that Ezekiel is a book that was written around the time of the exile. The exile, one of the most important events in the whole Old Testament. The Babylonian Empire marched into Jerusalem, defeated its army, destroyed the Holy Temple, where the Israelites worshipped and prayed, and then for good measure they dragged off a significant chunk of Israel's leaders to exile with them in Babylon. You can imagine that these sorts of events caused a spiritual crisis for the Jews. And Ezekiel's prophetic vision makes a lot more sense if you picture it against the background of those events and those sorts of feelings. His vision is built around a single poignant question. Can these bones live? God shows Ezekiel a valley filled with bones, dry bones. They no longer even come together to form a skeleton. They're all just all over the place. There's no life in them. And he tells him that the bones represent Israel. Defeated. Scattered. Hopeless. Dead. Can these bones live? It helps. If you imagine Ezekiel seeing this vision of dry bones and thinking of people he knew. People who were physically dead, killed by Babylonian soldiers, laid low by some disease. Relationships that are dead. Families broken apart. Husbands and wives separated by thousands of miles dragged into exile in a foreign culture. People who are spiritually dead, whose bodies are intact, but whose spirits are broken. People who have concluded that God abandoned his covenant with his holy people, that he's no longer interested in keeping his promises to them. People who have concluded very much in the mindset of the ancient world that the God of Israel has been defeated by some other God, the God of Babylon. 
that he doesn't have enough power to win out people who have concluded, perhaps, that maybe there is no God at all, that everyone just needs to fend for themselves. Can these bones live? That's what God asks Ezekiel as he looks out over the devastation One scholar calls this the Ezekiel question. The Ezekiel question. And he, he notes that there's a way in which the whole story of the people of Israel, Abraham and Moses and everything that came after it, leads up to this climactic question. The people of God are dead. The nation is finished and broken. Can these bones live? Can death be reversed? Now that was Israel's question thousands of years ago. But if we're honest, it's our question today too. Terrible earthquakes in Haiti and a resurgent Taliban in Afghanistan. ERs and ICUs that are once again overflowing with patients. Climate change wreaking havoc across our continent. Can these bones live? Divorce and depression, addiction and anxiety, a child in trouble, or a parent in failing health. Can People sometimes say that the Bible is old and confusing and boring. And sometimes I get that. But there are a lot of passages like this in the Bible, too. Passages that are as universal as breathing and as relevant in their contemporary significance as the news you read this morning on your phone. Can these bones live? Can even death be undone? Christians are people who believe that the resurrection of Jesus was God's answer to the Ezekiel question. By raising Jesus from the dead, God confirmed, God vindicated the answer he gave to Ezekiel long ago. That death can be undone. That dry bones can live again. God told Ezekiel that he would open up the graves of his people and bring them back to life. And the early Christians told stories about their rabbi, who was put into a tomb for three days and then mysteriously turned up alive. God told Ezekiel that he would breathe his spirit, his living power, into the dead bodies of his people. Just like God breathed his spirit into Adam way back in the book of Genesis. And the early Christians told stories about the risen Jesus breathing his spirit upon those frail and fearful disciples and turning them into convinced believers and evangelists of the good. 
those Christians loved to quote the words of another prophet, Isaiah, to summarize their faith. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? To be a Christian is to trust, to dare to hope that something is even more powerful than death. It is to believe that even when the power of death and hopelessness is all around us, the power of God is at work, too. Sometimes that means changing the situation, overcoming what seemed hopeless. Other times it means taking the situation and transfiguring it. So that although we still struggle and suffer, we nonetheless possess an unshakable faith in God's presence. By way of conclusion, I want to give you three examples of what I'm talking about. I want you to think first about the history of the Jewish people. From the events we just read about in scripture, the exile, all the way through the 20th century. I want you to think about all the people down through the years that tried to destroy, to persecute, to subjugate, to obliterate the people of Israel, God's people. <laughs> all the wars, all the persecutions, all of the anti-Semitism, all of the pogroms, many of them sadly carried out by Christians like you and me. They all have one thing in common. They may have succeeded for a while, but they did not finally succeed. God's people, the Jews, are still here. Why? Why? Because God is faithful to his God. There have been many times when God's people might have said our bones are dried up and all hope is lost, but God's love is stronger than death. And the continued existence of his people is testimony to that. Second, I want you to think about our missionary partners in the land of Egypt. As many of you know, here at Paley, we have a lot of wonderful missionary partners in Egypt. And, and as many of you probably also know, Egypt is not an easy place to be a Christian. It's got more than its share of anti-Christian bigotry. It's actually illegal to convert from Islam to Christianity. And if you have a church and you want to expand the physical footprint of that church, it's technically legal, but you need a signed letter from the president to do it. Okay? By the way, the next time you feel like complaining about our capital campaign and all the renovations and the inconveniences we face, remind yourself, it may be tough, but at least we don't have to get a signed letter from Joe Biden to do it, right? Dry bones, right? Completely hopeless environment to try and be a Christian. No. No. When I went there, the thing that astonished me was not how difficult the environment was, but how powerful the work of the Spirit has been in the midst of that environment. 
In the last 20 years, the Egyptian church has faced 9-11, the war in Iraq, the Arab Spring, coups and protests, you name it. And in 20 years, they have started 200 new churches. 200 new churches, that's 10 every year. How is that possible? How is that possible? The love of God is stronger than death, and the flourishing of his church is testimony. Third, I want you to think about all our church has endured these last 18 months during the coronavirus pandemic. I want you to think about all the fear and loneliness, all the anxiety and inconvenience, all the exhausted teachers and exhausted parents, all the doctors and nurses and hospitals that have been pushed to the brink. It's been hard, hasn't it? It's been a dry bones season. Of course, that's not even touching on the very real physical suffering of those who have contracted COVID and the emotional suffering of the people who love them. And guys, here's the worst part. It's not over, right? <laughs> it's not over. No one knows what the next six months will hold. I have no crystal ball. Um, I would be very surprised if COVID-19 just disappeared, right? I think it's going to be with us for a long time. I think, um, I think our church's relationship to coronavirus is a little bit like my lovely wife and I when we're trying to leave a party. This is a little bit of a kooky example, but see if you pick up what I'm putting down. Um, I love my wife, my wife loves me, and we've been very happily married for 14 years. We've never wanted to leave a party at the same time, ever. I'm, I mean, usually what happens is that we'll be there at the party for a while, and I'll be, I'll be thinking, okay, it's probably time to go home. I'm ready to get into my pajamas and turn on Netflix and relax, and I will look over to find my wife, and I will see my wife making a new best friend. And I'll think, oh, it's going to be hard to get out of here. And I have all these little signals that I try and give Becca when I'm telling, trying to tell her subtly that it's time to leave the party and go home, and she does not listen to them. She does not pay attention to them. So sometimes we'll be at a party, and I will be sending signals that I think are very subtle, and one of our other friends will look at Becca, and they'll say, Becca, your husband wants to go home. Why don't you go home with him? He looks tired, right? So in this analogy, all of you are like me at the party. You're thinking, okay, coronavirus, come on, it's time to go. We gotta get out of here, we're done. And my wife is like coronavirus, okay? She's, she's sticking around, she's making a new best friend, she's pouring herself a glass of wine. Yes, I kind of did just compare my wife to the coronavirus. It's just an analogy, okay? Hopefully you get what I'm saying. Coronavirus isn't going anywhere. That's my point. We're going to be stuck with it a little while longer. Is this a dry bones time for us? Is there no hope in this season? Is there nothing we can do? No. No. God's spirit is working here and now, too. When I look at this church, I see signs of the power of God's spirit. Just since I started working at this church last year, I think about the backpacks donated for City Team. All that food we donated to Redemption Church in Bristol. I think about the Christmas gifts we gave away last year that we will give away again this year. 
I think about the hundreds and hundreds of emergency food boxes that have been picked up by hungry families left at our front door. I think about the life-giving connections forged through our small groups and the miracle of Zoom that helps us connect together safely. I think about all the notes and phone calls. And I think about the incredible generosity you all have shown through our Transform Capital campaign. Um, it was a strange and wonderful thing to be in that church this week and watch the movers come and take the pews out of the sanctuary. Um, and I can't wait to see what God does through this campaign. The love of God is stronger than death. It is. And the flourishing of this church in the midst of this dry bones season is a sign of that power. Dear friends, sooner or later, everyone asks, can these bones live? And when you do, I want you to remember that the Bible doesn't just help us to ask that question. It helps us to answer it. God says to you today, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you you will live. Even death itself isn't stronger than God's love. Will you pray with me? Holy God, Heavenly Father, God of the world, we give you thanks for your mighty love that is stronger even than death, that gives hope when we are hopelessness, and helps us to endure things we thought we never could. Give us faith, O oh God, that dry bones can live. Lord God, we pray for your church. We pray for this church, Paoli Presbyterian, as it begins its capital campaign. And we pray for your church in our nation and throughout the world especially Egypt and Belize. Fill your people, God, with a hope in your omnipotent love. That when things are hard or seem impossible and death is all around, that your love is working still and is stronger than anything. Lord God, we pray for the world a world in which the power of death and hopelessness seems very strong indeed. We pray for the land of Haiti and for all who are affected by earthquakes, hurricanes, fires, natural disasters of any sort. We pray for the people of Afghanistan, for justice and mercy there, for all who are affected by war, violence, and oppression. We pray for all those affected by the coronavirus pandemic, whether physically, emotionally, financially, send your life-giving spirit to be with them. We pray, O oh God, for our government, for our president, legislators, and the courts. 
We pray for all those in authority. For the media, our teachers and schools, for our nation. Lead us and guide us in the way you would have us go. All this, O oh Lord, and whatever else you see that we need, we pray that you'll grant us in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.